Hello, thanks for tuning in to episode 12 of Innovation Activists, Designing Healthcare's Future. I'm Reed Omri, and this month I'm sitting down with Shelby Payne. Shelby is in her last year of medical school at Vanderbilt University School of Medicine and will be pursuing a career in radiology. She's an alumni of Stanford University, where she played on the women's varsity soccer team, and she is also an advocate for juvenile diabetes. Welcome, Shelby. So great to have you on the podcast today. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here. How did you first get interested in soccer as a kid? Growing up, I played soccer on an all-guys team other than um, my twin sister and I, and we were about five years old running around had a lot of fun, but never got past the ball often. So I actually quit and decided to do a few other sports for a year and then came back into soccer around six or seven years old, playing with some of my friends on a girls team and things were a little different. And you rapidly excelled at the sport. What was that like going into more and more competitive environments? Part of it was just a natural competitiveness and tendency to just want to push myself and, and get better and do better. From a young age, soccer was always fun, but it also was a chance to compete and to be with friends and travel. Um, and so I think it just kind of naturally evolved into something that I loved doing and wanted to be the best at. So growing up, I played on a bunch of different club teams and then ultimately ended up making it to the state team um, and then regional team and then youth national teams growing up. So that was something that I always set goals for and wanted to do, but also wanted to enjoy the process and enjoy the competition with soccer too. How did you end up at Stanford? Is really what Stanford offered you is the pinnacle of soccer and sports and also the pinnacle of education. Yeah, that's a great question, actually. I didn't know much about Stanford growing up. Um, I grew up mostly in Colorado, and then uh, my family moved to Florida before high school. So Stanford was on the complete other side of the country from Florida and wasn't on my radar really until they started recruiting my sister and I for soccer. I started looking more into what the university entailed. And it, like you said, it's just a really great merger of an academic institution. And at the time, and currently it's a very good soccer program as well. Um, so both of those things were really important to me. What did playing soccer at that level teach you about teamwork? Teamwork is essential to really any sports team, but definitely soccer. I mean, to be the best as a team, you need every single player on the field. You need the players who are going to push everybody in fitness. You need the players who are, going to, who are going to stay after and make sure we all work on our technical skills. You need the players who are encouragers. You also need the players who can push people in different directions to make them a different type of player. There are definitely girls on my team who challenge me in different ways, and I hope that I challenge girls in other ways as well. And as a team, you just can't perform at your best unless every single person is on the same page with goals and work ethic and really putting the team above their own individual needs. Now, you're an advocate for juvenile diabetes. Can you speak to that? I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was 11 years old on Christmas Day. 
in 2004. That night changed my life. My blood sugar was 1,300. I was not very healthy. I was a very sick kid at that point. And all I wanted to do was play soccer. At the hospital that night, I had two questions. One, was I going to live? Um, I lost about 30 pounds, was very, very sick. So that was a big question on my mind. After I was told yes to that question, I asked, can I play soccer? <laughs> and they said yes. And so thankfully they said yes, because a couple of weeks later I was back on the field. But because I have type 1 diabetes and have to monitor it 24-7, it's a big part of my life. And I try to give back and do a lot of work with kids who have type 1 diabetes as well. Did living with diabetes yourself, did that help spark your interest in medicine? Definitely. Having type 1 was my first major interaction with the medical system. It brought me into a medical environment at a really young age. I had physician visits, but more importantly, I had to manage my own disease day in and day out every single day. From 11 years old, I really took the primary caretaker of myself role and had had to titrate my insulin doses, count my carbs, make sure to preload with the right amount of carbs and decrease my insulin before every single workout and really kind of be my own doctor in some terms. That experience and the experience interacting with other medical professionals growing up really um, sparked my interest to go into medicine. You mentioned really overseeing your own regimen in, in a way of taking care of your blood sugars during your ultra competitive training and play. Did you come to that regimen through a series of trial and error working together with your medical team? How much of this was because of yourself? How much of it was prescribed? I think trial and error is a really good way to describe it. There's a lot of guessing and checking and adjusting on the fly, but that really takes a whole team of people. Um, my doctors have been looking at my data a lot. We go in and look at what's been working, what's not been working. With soccer, I ran into quite a few issues with going low and needing to time things differently and then going high later in the game. And so we actually came up with a different basal solution about kind of how to do like a tethered pumping experience. And so it really it has been a team. And not only my doctors um, and my family, my um, my teammates have been super supportive throughout the whole process of getting me glucose if I needed immediately, understanding why I needed to run off and quickly like put my pump on for a second. So really it takes, it takes a village, it takes a team. As someone who's very controlling and likes to have the whole dominating experience, um, it, it took some time for me to really let go of that and let people help me. But that's been super, super important. These two experiences, one of being a patient and living with type 1 diabetes and two of being such a competitive soccer player, those very much shaped who you are now. And now that you've entered medical school, how do you think the combination of those experiences has helped you as a medical student? I know that I have confidence from those experiences coming into medical school. I know I can make it through some really difficult challenges. I know how to use my teammates and help that is offered to me and be able to use resources, I think, better. And I think just really having the mentality to persevere is something that I've learned through all this. The biggest thing, I think, is the mentality and also using, like, having a team that's supporting you on the field, off the field, through medical school. My classmates have been there 
just to help me studying and to kind of bounce ideas off of. And then even coming into the wards, you know, your immediate team with attending, resident, med student, nurses, pharmacists, you know, if you're looking for something in the middle of the night and don't know where it is, your best friend is whoever knows where that is. And if you're nice and ask for help and are humble about it, you can go so far in the medical world. And I know that you've had a lot of experience in doing research uh, related to, to diabetes. Could you share some of that with us? Something I worked on at Stanford um, and continued out a little bit with my mentor, Dr. Buckingham, is the artificial pancreas system, which I like to better define as the closed loop system, um, because what it really is, is closing the loop between insulin pump and a continuous glucose monitor with an algorithm that adjusts the insulin delivery based on the feedback of what the glucose is, which is coming from the sensor that we call the continuous glucose monitor or CGM. And it's a, it's a really fun project because it's addressing a very difficult question with technology. And, you know, the question is, how can we regulate blood glucose to make it exactly normal for someone who has diabetes? And how can we use technology to do that? And how can we get around all of the physiology roadblocks that we have? How can we make that work in real time with exercise, with food, with all these external inputs, stress, medications, um, and how do we make it work? That's research that I've been working on, and we've been running clinical trials on that. One of the bigger questions was, how is this system going to work when we put in the external input of exercise? Um, something that I love doing and passionate about. And traditionally, these studies have been done with treadmill exercise or something that's a little bit easier to control. But I really wanted to see what would happen in a real-life sports environment. So naturally, soccer was what we did. And so we took the clinical trial out to a soccer field, and we said, let's run these artificial pancreas systems and see how they do when kids are practicing soccer and playing in a game, because that's real life. These children with type 1 diabetes are active, and they love being a normal kid, and they don't want to go inside and walk on a treadmill. And so that's what we did. We did a clinical trial on the soccer field. We had a lot of technologists, engineers, physicians, kids, and people running the study out on a field. And it was so much fun. Organized chaos, definitely. And we got some good data out of it. And that system that we were actually running is now on the market with Medtronic. What we haven't quite perfected is the 3D accelerometer, which is what we were trying out, and how exercise is actually going to be implemented into this system. So the controls are there, the system's working, it's getting better and better, but it hasn't been perfected. Sadly, I have had to leave that project with medical school um, and work through that, but it's definitely exciting. How does that make you feel to actually have contributed to something that is actually out in practice helping other kids it makes me really excited, but it also makes me want to do more. There's always more work to do, more stuff to, to learn, but it's cool to see this idea that was really just an idea come to reality and impacting lives. I did my residency training at the University of Virginia, and when I was there, there was this story about the discovery of H. pylori, which is the infectious agent that we now know causes peptic ulcers. This scientist thought that ulcers were infectious and no one believed him. Everyone thought he was nuts. And so he, what he actually did was took some specimens, some pathologic specimens of ulcers and literally ingested them 
and caused ulcers in himself, which is like pretty out there to experiment on yourself. He went on to win the Nobel Prize in medicine and physiology. Sometimes this notion of actually succumbing our cells or using our cells as a experimental subject can lead to these discoveries. Have you ever considered yourself as a experimental subject? Yes. The way I describe my own diabetes management is I'm an experiment every single day. And if I want to change something, I'm my own self-experiment. And, you know, if you want to adjust a, a basal rate of insulin, I will fast for a certain period and look at the numbers and experiment. If I want to try something new with exercise and food and insulin, that's another experiment that I need to run and try to control the variables. Definitely, I would say I'm an experiment. I'm happy to experiment on myself. I think you can only learn about your own body and physiology by experimenting on yourself. I mean, you have to be safe as much as possible, but I don't think we get very far in life without taking some risks. One thing I'm actually really excited to start, and it's another type of experiment on myself, is a closed loop insulin system. It's known as the loop, and it's this external algorithm that was developed by a bunch of... My butcher is going low. It's not bad. Okay. Um, <laughs> eat a little glucose and carry glucose tabs. Wow, we're like living it here with you. This is my life. <laughs> so it's this external algorithm that was developed by a bunch of coders really around the world who contributed to this universal free access code that is an algorithm that runs a continuous closed loop insulin system. It's a little confusing, but there's a bunch of pieces to the system that come together and your iPhone ultimately runs this code that looks at your glucose and changes your insulin delivery automatically. And so I'm waiting for the last pieces to come together. And then this upcoming weekend, I'm planning to build this system and run it on myself and see how it does. I want to make sure that I understand you. There is a worldwide network of coders who are generating algorithms that are freely available, freely shared, and downloadable by anyone interested who would like to apply them to their own insulin pumps. Yes, that is absolutely correct. And once you download this algorithm, you can then go into it and modify certain parameters based on how your own data is trending. It sounds pretty crazy, but there's been really good documents created that almost make it a do-it-yourself type of project. The hardest part, I think, is finding all the pieces to put the system together. Now, the FDA doesn't love it, and so none of the insulin pumps that are being made or that have been made in the past 5, 10 years are compatible with the system because the system hacks into the pump and runs it externally. So you have to find an old Medtronic pump that you're able to hack into that still works today to be able to run the system. And that is the missing piece that I'm waiting on, and hopefully that will come in this so, weekend. So you intentionally hack an old medical device yes, it's to, ancient. to be able to do something that no current medical device allows you to do. That is exactly right. That is brilliant. I love it. And this hacking community is worldwide. It's worldwide. Um, they actually have a hashtag, which I love. It's called hashtag, we are not waiting. 
as in we are not waiting for the FDA to approve and for the development to go forward with these pumps because currently this is the best algorithm out there. I do have word that one of the newer systems just got hacked though, so we'll see what happens. This is a great example where patients completely bypass the glacial pace of the FDA approval process. Does this feel utterly empowering? I think it's a good and a bad thing. Being on both sides of it, having done research on the current systems that are going through FDA approval and now trying this new system that is completely off the grid from any FDA approval, it's an interesting balance to see. I I love it. I think we need more competition in the market. I think we need people who are pushing the limits. And I think they're presenting to FDA to push them to consider this as well. I think we need more of that. I think it's the only way to keep moving innovations forward at a pace that it needs to go. Are there any publications that describe this process or compare a, if you will, a conventional treatment for insulin pumps to a hacked treatment? There are not any that I know of, but that's the future game plan with my trial. There's going to be some discussions of a couple of comparisons between some different algorithms and different closed loop systems that we would love to study. Wow, that's really amazing, Shelby. Thanks for sharing that. I was completely unaware that this existed, and it sounds like, I mean, there's, what, what is the hashtag again? It's hashtag we are not waiting. Hashtag we are not waiting. And there's a community that uses that hashtag to connect with one another regarding just diabetes or other treatments too. As far as I know, it's just about this closed loop insulin pump system within diabetes. But I'm assuming that the idea and thought process of using coding and innovation to hack medicine could easily be expanded into other communities. Shelby, how do you define innovation? Innovation, in my mind, is thinking about something in a different way and not just stopping at thinking, but pursuing that further with some actions and trying out ideas. They might not work. They probably won't, but that's going to help you out actually in the end. Innovation in general, I think, is yeah, pursuing those new ideas and not stopping until you find something that works. I'd like to leave you with a final question. What sort of advice would you give our listeners towards promoting either innovation in their own lives or using teamwork to benefit themselves? I have a couple ideas on that front. One is to keep dreaming big and thinking outside of the box. Uh, If people aren't calling you crazy or questioning your thoughts, then you're not pushing them far enough. The other thought is kind of more regarding teamwork, and we were talking about that earlier. It's essential to understand your role on the team and be willing to fill any role on the team. That can be the team leader, which a lot of us in medicine naturally gravitate towards and want to be. But I think it's just as important to be able and willing to be a follower, to do a task that no one else wants to do, and to be able to fill in whatever the team needs and assess that in real time. Everyone on a team is vital, and having the ability to be a functioning member of any team is really reliant on your ability to adjust based on that team. 
Well, that is terrific, Shelby. Thanks so much for sharing your thoughts and advice. And to our audience, let us know how you promote teamwork and innovation in your own environments on Twitter. You can connect with Shelby at ShelbyPayne26 and with myself at Reed Omery. Stay tuned for our next episode of Innovation Activists next month. 